right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Matthew. Now, the last time we stopped in chapter 13, we were beginning with the parables of the kingdom or even say the parables of the new kingdom or the mystery kingdom, the kingdom that is hidden. Now, what we have to remember, so let's back up just a little bit into chapter 12 is remember the whole of Jesus's ministry. He was presenting himself to the people, to the nation of Israel by providing them signs, messianic signs to prove that he was their Messiah. And if Israel, the nation as a whole, collectively would receive Jesus as Messiah, then Jesus would be the king of Israel and he would bring in the coming kingdom. The coming kingdom simply is all of the prophetic words spoken by the prophets of old that deal with the restoration of Israel and the establishment of Israel as the head of all nations, including all of the rest of the Gentile nations, all the nations of the world. And this is when they will bring this universal peace to the world. So this is what Jesus was offering to the Jews. But chapter 12, it was a pivotal time because once again, Jesus had done a messianic miracle, a man who could not speak, but he was yet demon possessed. Jesus healed this particular man, but then it was the leaders who had already made their minds up to reject Jesus began to say that Jesus did the things that he did because of demon possession. And so they began to spread this and try to convince people that the Jewish people that Jesus was doing these things because he himself was possessed by demons. This caused Jesus this how Jesus responded. He withdrew the offer of the kingdom. No more will I be your king. No more shall I bring in the kingdom that the Jews expected. And then in chapter 13, this is where we start, started last time. He speaks of a new mystery kingdom. And remember, the idea of mystery is something that was previous, that was not previously known, but that Jesus is now giving information about. He is speaking of something not known, but that is nowhere in the Old Testament was it understood or seen in this manner. But Jesus is now bringing this new mystery to light. So it comes to light through the knowledge of Messiah. And as we'll see throughout all of the New Testament, through Jesus or his apostles or the New Testament prophets. But the point is, Old Testament, you didn't see it. New Testament, it is being seen. And in a nutshell, this new kingdom, Jesus is going to, he's going to talk about the nature of this new kingdom. And then he's going to talk about specific issues concerning this new mystery kingdom. But it's all predicated. It's all based upon the fact that Israel rejected Jesus as their king. And therefore, they will not receive the kingdom spoken of by the prophets at this time, at this time. So therefore, Jesus will bring about a new kingdom and one who will accept him. And so now let's move into chapter 13. And the basis for the new kingdom is as he begins with and he speaks of it all in 
parables. Let me simply say it that way. He speaks of it all in parables, things that the that Israel could understand that had a spiritual meaning attached to them. And it is all about this new mystery kingdom. And he laid the foundation for the new mystery kingdom as the parable of the sword. And this is the foundational parable that basically deals with the sword went out to sow seeds and the seeds landed upon four different types of ground. And that is by the wayside. And it's important seed that went by the wayside was taken away quickly by the birds. He, Jesus later on would say by Satan, him snatches out the heart. Seed that is sown upon stony ground that doesn't have much earth, that hears the word, understands it, has joy, but because it has no root, when the concerns and cares of the world come about, the, or, or, or trouble, affliction comes about, the seed is choked. Or the seed that is sown upon, let me say it, in Johnson grass, in weedy places, and it chokes the seed out. Chokes the seed cannot become productive. And therefore, this is such a one who has concern for the cares of this world and for riches and things of that nature. And then finally, the fourth one would be the one sown on the good ground because seed sown only on the good ground produces 36 to 104. It produces things. OK. And so therefore, Jesus lays this foundation, the foundation of the sower to be the key to understanding the, the essence and the nature of this new mystery kingdom. OK, now let me say a final word. Uh, and remember, guys, if you didn't see this, it would be really good to go back and see the teaching on Matthew 13, the first part. But the final thing so that you guys will understand it, the new mystery kingdom is the church. And that's what Jesus is talking about. No, no he has imagined it since in, in this sense. Israel and has been put on hold and the coming kingdom for Israel is put on hold. The new kingdom Jesus is talking about is the church, the church, which will consist of Jew and Gentile as one body, Jew and Gentile as one body without obedience to the law of Moses, because the law of Moses will be gone. So that's why it's a new kingdom. And so the new kingdom brings both Jew and Gentile together in what we call the church. Okay. So that's this new mystery kingdom. And the thing that you need to understand about the church is the, and this is the, the, the kingdom that Jesus is talking about, the new mystery kingdom, the church. It consists of the visible church and the true church. The visible church consists of anybody who proclaims Jesus as their Lord and Savior, whether they are truly saved or not. Because remember, and we know that there are many people within the church who are not saved, but the visible church, everybody who calls Jesus their Lord, whether they're saved or not, the true church are those who are within the visible church, but they are the ones who are genuinely saved. Okay. So to get the idea concerning the kingdom that Jesus is talking about, Jesus, the kingdom of heaven that Jesus is talking about is all people 
who confess Jesus as their Lord and whether they are saved or not. There will be some say some not, but the kingdom of heaven, get this part guys, is the visible church. Those who confess Jesus, whether saved or not. And once you understand that, and you begin to work through the parables, the parables themselves will become easier to understand and even self-explanatory, okay? So now with all of that, let's continue to move because we, Jesus has just dealt with the issue of the sower, the parable of the sower. And so now he's going to continue on dealing with the kingdom of heaven with additional parables explaining the nature of this new kingdom or the nature of what the church will be like. Cause Jesus literally speaking, even though in parables in a prophetic way, what will the church be like? And that's the point that I want to hammer to you guys that Jesus foretold before the church even began what the church would be like. Okay. So, Without anything further than that, let's continue on in verse number 24. Jesus presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them, allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. Okay, so now let's deal with the parable of what's, what some call the tares. So notice again, verse number 24 in the parable, the kingdom of heaven is compared to remember now the kingdom of heaven is nothing more than this continuation of Jesus talking about this new mystery kingdom. And again, what is the new mystery kingdom in a nutshell? It is the church. It is the visible church. Notice I didn't say the true church. I made a distinction between that earlier, but the visible church, which includes what all who profess Jesus as Lord, whether they are genuinely saved or not. And this is what you're going to see. So now let's just simply work through the parable of what Jesus is trying to say. So he says the kingdom of heaven is like what a man who sowed good seed. Now Jesus will go and explain this later on, but I'll explain it now. And then I add my commentary to it now. And later on, I just pretty much read through it. But nevertheless, let's go. The good seed, the good seed that are sown here are the people of God. These are the saints of God that have been sown into the kingdom. The world, the field is the world. 
The field is the world. The good seed are godly people that have been that have heard the word of God, that have heard the preaching. Let me say it in the right way. They have heard the preaching concerning Jesus, the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, that Jesus is our Messiah, Lord. And we know as it is in our time concerning death, burial and resurrection. We believe the message of Jesus. Okay, these are the good seed. And then he said, while his men were sleeping and I'm going to try to do not to do as much preaching here, but that's the problem that we have in the church today. The men, that is the preachers, the pastors and the teachers, instead of doing their job, they're not doing their job. They're coming up with three point sermons instead of teaching the word of God. And the best way to teach the word of God is line upon line, precept, precept upon precept, principle upon principle, the whole text in its context, everything has its place. I understand that points can be made using the biblical text. I understand that and that we can derive applications from the, I understand that. But the best way to deal with the scripture is you open your Bible to a particular book. You start from the beginning of that book until the end of that book and line upon line, you deal with who that writer is, what that writer is saying, who that writer is talking to, you get the proper exposition from the text, and then and only then can you make application. Application simply is another word for preach, preach application from the text. But my point is, my point is here, as Jesus simply said, his men were sleeping. And that's what's going on with the pastors. They're sleeping. The word of God is not being. I'm, OK, I'm, I'm, I said I wasn't going to preach. The word of God isn't being taught, but let me keep going. And what happened? His enemy came. That is the devil. And what did he do? The devil and his men, the devil and his false preachers, his false Teachers, what did they do? They sowed tares among the wheat and went away. Now, okay, slowing it down. They came and sowed tares. The word for tares is, is basically the plant, darnel. Darnel is a plant that looks just like the wheat. It looks just like the wheat. So what happens? And here's what you need to see. Jesus is speaking about the church. What happens in the church? Jesus says he begins to plant initially within the church, the godly people. But what happens over the process of time? The devil begins to plant people who look like they're saved. That's why we call the Darnell is a wheat lookalike plant. The devil begins to plant people who look like they are saved in the church. So notice what you have in the kingdom of heaven. That is in the church, both what true wheat and those who are hypocrites, hypocrites look alike wheat, but not are genuinely wheat who have been planted there by the devil and his agents. But now let's keep going. 
So what happens? Sooner or later, they are going the the fake Christians are going to be recognized for being the hypocrites that they are. What does he say? The slaves of the landowner. He they, the, that is the genuine Christians begin to take notice that within the body of those who confess to be saints in the general church. There were those who were not genuinely saved. He so they what did they say? Sir, did you not plant wheat and wheat alone? That's what they mean. Didn't you just simply plant wheat in your field? How is it then we start to see these particular tears, these this fake Christian, the Darnell? So they these are saints of God who notice how the church begins to become populated with Saints, but I'm sorry, non-true Christians, hypocrites, the tares that are in the church. And so they having a concern, they begin to say, shall we go and take them out? And that's the idea. Do you want us to go and do what? Gather them up. And what did Jesus respond to the to those slaves? No, because you do not genuinely, you don't know everybody who are truly saved or not. And in your activity, you may uproot some who are saved themselves. So let me just bring this part to, to a, in a closing type way. Jesus workers see that there are now false Christians in the church. And so they say to Jesus, shall we now begin to separate, get rid of the hypocritical Christians? And Jesus simply says, no, because you are unable to detect all who are simply unsaved in the process of what you trying to do, trying to uproot the saved folks, separate saved people from the unsaved people. You might mess up and hurt some saved people in the process. So that's the point. So Jesus simply says what? Leave them alone. Let them all grow up together. Let the genuinely Christians in the church grow up along with the hypocritical Christians. Let them continue on until the end of the age. That is the time of the judgment when Jesus himself returns. Now let's bring this part to a close. And that's when he says, let him grow up until the harvest. And when the harvest comes, he'll say unto the reapers, go and gather out, take out the tares, take out the false Christians, the Darnell, the hypocrites, take them out, bind them and burn them. And then gather the wheat into my barns. In other words, Jesus says, let the true Christians grow up, continue throughout the church age. Let the true Christians continue alongside of the hypocritical Christians until the end of the age, until Jesus should come back. And that's when Jesus will send his reapers who are the angels of God. And the reapers will take the hypocrites from within the church bind them and cast them into hell itself. And those who are true Christians, Jesus will bring them into the kingdom. And this will be the kingdom that will be established that he promised to the Jews. Go all the way back to the kingdom of the Jews. And then this kingdom will begin the kingdom of peace, 
the kingdom of prosperity to even the time when the Jews will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But I don't want to get much into that. I just want to stick with right now the mystery kingdom. That is the church or what sometimes people or theologians will call the church age, the church age. But the primary thing to understand here is basically two things. Jesus has spoken already. Notice the kingdom of heaven, this new mystery kingdom. He has already let us let us know that it will not only have saved, but it will also have hypocrites, those who are not saved. But then he warns that even our job, should I even say my job, the job of pastors and teachers and even of others, not to try to clear out, separate the right from the wrong. That's not our job. Our job is to continue to teach and to continue to preach. Let them, that is the true saved people and the hypocrites, continue on, grow up side by side. And in the end, Jesus himself would do the separating of the right from the wrong. But point is, he already lets us know that the kingdom of heaven will begin to be attacked by Satan and he will plant hypocrites in the church. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's continue on. Verse 31. He presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is the smaller and this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Now, I don't want to wear myself out. Let me just teach. Let me just teach. So now he gives another uh, example. Remember, I told you the whole issue concerning these parables, it gives insight. It tells us about the nature of this new mystery kingdom, or in other words, what will the church be like? What will the church consist of? Uh, things happening in the church. Who will be in the church? That's the idea. So let's just go on. This parable, the mustard seed. He says, compare the new kingdom of heaven is like what? In other words, when every time you see the kingdom of heaven is like, think about it, he's saying like this in our time, the church will be like the visible church would be like you got it. Not the true church, because remember, as we just saw in the in, in the previous parable between the wheat and the tares, the, the general church consist of both wheat and the tares. That's the visible church. The true church is the wheat. You got it. That's the true church. But the visible church, the overall church that you see has both wheat and tares, good and bad. So let's go into this one again. This kingdom, the church will be like a mustard seed. It is a small seed, but then as it begins to grow, it's, it's smaller than all the rest of them. But then as the mustard seed begins to grow, it becomes the greater plant. It becomes even greater than the trees of all of the garden. So what Jesus is simply talking about here is this concerning the church, the beginning as the gospel concerning Jesus was preached and the church was being born. You know, the church was born in Jerusalem. You'll see that in the book of Acts chapter two, but the church starts out small. 
with a small number of people. But the gospel concerning Jesus is going to be preached throughout all of the world. And so as the gospel gains traction and begins being preached all over the place, the gospel begins to be one of the greatest things in all of the world. Or in other words, let me say it this way. Christianity, because that's what the gospel is, okay? The preaching concerning Jesus Christ, how he died for our sins, blah, 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 all of this, right? It started as a very small thing, and it, st and it didn't start as a, let me say it this way, guys, major religion. But now look at it today. Christianity is one of basically three of the most dominant religions in the world. Everybody knows about Christianity, but notice how it had its very small beginnings. And this is what Jesus means by the mustard seed. It is a small seed, but as it continues to grow, it becomes great tree. And this is Christianity. It started small, as we saw with 12 apostles and 120 people in the upper room in, in the book of Acts. And it, it is now what it is a great religion to this day. But now look at the remainder of what Jesus said concerning the kingdom of heaven. Notice what he says. It becomes so great so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Okay, that's why I hope you, you have to continuously watch all of the videos. Remember what I told you guys earlier about the parable of the sower. Remember what I told you about watch the birds. Keep your eye on the birds. The birds are the agents of Satan. Remember, let's go back. I can't go back and do it all. You have to remember it. Jesus said concerning the parable of the sower. That's what he said. This is the foundation. It is the, you've got to understand the sower parable or otherwise you won't understand the rest of them. He says the one who comes and sows the seed by the wayside. What happens? The birds come and quickly eat the seed. What did Jesus say? Satan takes the word that was sown and takes it away from the person. So there is no uh, understanding of, of the word of God whatsoever. So the point that I'm trying to help you guys is understand the relationship of the birds of the parable of the sower. And once again, Jesus brings in the idea. And whenever you have things like of a parable or, or, or the uh, things of a parable and things talked in a mysterious nature, usually the same thing is representative of itself when it's talked about at a later time. In other words, if birds are bad in the beginning, birds will be bad in the end. They're not going to change the way they're being used here. So let me go ahead and talk about it. So the point he says is this, the kingdom of heaven. Okay. The church starts out small. Then the church ends up to be a big, huge thing. It is so huge that the birds nest in it. The birds are the agents of Satan messengers of Satan. These, and when I say the ages and messengers of Satan, it simply means false preachers. It also deals with what Jesus talking about earlier in the parable of the tares. These also are the tares. So the church will be consistent of both the good and the bad. But the point that Jesus bringing about here is it is so large that it is now being filled with a lot of bad. What 
What is nesting in this huge tree of the church? And think about it, because you have seen trees and you've seen how birds come together together in one tree. See it with your own eyes. The church is this huge tree and all of a sudden these bad birds, bad preachers, they're not saved, they're tares. Bad people, they're not saved. These are the messengers of Satan that have been planted all throughout the church. How do birds get in the tree? They feel they begin to feel the tree. So Jesus is speaking even prophetically. What happens to the church as it grows and grows and grows? What happens to the church is it becomes full of the devil. It becomes filled with people, with preachers who are not saved and people who are not saved. They are all nesting in the great tree. What did Jesus say? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The church starts small, but wait until it grows. It grows bigger and bigger. And guess what begins to happen? The birds start filling that tree. The wicked ones start filling the church. And this is why you hear me say plenty of times, there are so many hypocrites in the church. I'm not speaking as a judge. I'm speaking according to what Jesus has already let us know. And truly, listen to me. Let me just digress a second. We are in the last days. We are in the period where the church has now become a great tree. And if the church is that great tree, like Jesus has said, guess what the church is full of? It is full of tares, like he just said in the previous passage, and it is full of birds, like he has just said in this particular parable. And notice what you see that Jesus is saying, how Jesus is warning, how the church becomes filled with the unsaved, Darnell, the tares, or the birds. Let me help you out. This as we understand the parables that Jesus is giving, this should give consolation to God's people because sometimes I have experienced it. You probably have experienced it or even maybe experiencing at the moment. There's a certain distress, the amount of distress and discouragement when you look at the church and you see all of these people in the church and these people aren't trying to live right worth a cat. They are not concerned about it. The word of God is not being preached there. Why? Jesus said, he said, what happened? His slaves fell asleep. The preachers fell asleep. All of it is so wonderfully prophetic. But my point is, as we see these things and we see the decay and the rot that's in the church because of the unsaved. Notice how Jesus said, don't worry about it. I'll separate them at the end. I know that the preachers are falling asleep. The preachers are not doing their job. I know that the church is full of birds and it's the ages of Satan with the false doctrine and the false teaching and the Joel Osteens everywhere. I know these things. Sometimes we as God's people can become so distressed when we look at the church. What I'm saying to you is do not become upset. Why? As we read and understand these parables, didn't Jesus already tell us it would be this way?
And that's the point that I'm making here. Take consolation in that the Lord knew and foretold all of these things so that when we ourselves see these things and see these types of people begin to dominate the church. What did he just say? The birds are just nesting everywhere. When we see these things, take consolation. The Lord will deal with them at the end of the age. Okay, so enough of that. So let's continue on with the teaching. Verse number uh, 33, he began to say, he told another parable, 33. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. Okay, now that's a parable within itself. And I feel like preaching. Well, I preach or not, I don't even care. Okay, now notice again, the kingdom of heaven. What did I tell you guys? Every time you see kingdom of heaven, think about it as the church, because that's what Jesus is talking about. This new mystery king. The church is like what? Leaven. So here's the question. What is leaven? Leaven is that which is it's yeast. It causes bread to rise. Leaven is always the spiritual type of sin. That's why we'll find out Jesus would say even to his disciples later on, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. And Jesus was not talking about bread, but Jesus was talking about, as he will say, the false doctrine of the Pharisees. So now let's bring all of this into the parable that Jesus is talking about. The kingdom of heaven, the church, what will the great church will be like? The church be like leaven. Leaven is bad. Leaven here is representative of false doctrine. And so notice what he said. It's like what a woman does in Matt. So he gives it in a parabolic sense. A woman is baking, right? She takes the dough. The dough is unleavened. And that's how the church began. The church began with correct doctrine. The church began with right doctrine. It began with the doctrines from Jesus, the doctrines from the apostles and the apostles laid down the doctrines of the church. So it began, the church began unleavened. But what happened in the process of time? The woman, and always remember, in the general case, whenever a woman is brought about in a religious sense, a spiritual sense, a typological sense, it speaks of either a false religion or some form of wickedness, okay? It is not about a gender thing against a woman, but a woman is usually spoken of in this type of a manner. Usually it is negative and here it is negative. What happens? The woman takes the dough and what does she do? The dough in three measures injects leaven into the dough until all of it becomes leaven. So what did the woman do? The woman is an agent of evil, okay? Again, notice how in almost every one of these parables thus far, we have an agent of Satan, the ministers of Satan, the people of the devil, whether it's the tares or whether it's the birds or whether it's his ministers. Satan is always working in the church to, to, to populate the church, that's the birds, or to bring the tares, that's the hypocrites in the church, or even here, 
the doctrine in the church. But watch, let me just calm down. So what does the woman do? She puts the leaven in the bread. Remember, the church is unleavened. That's what God wants, unleavened. Notice you see it throughout all of the Old Testament sacrifices. The bread is always unleavened except for one particular. But I'm not going to get into all of those events. Okay, let me just go on. Let me just simply say it. The church begins unleavened with correct and right doctrine. Doctrine taught by Jesus and the apostles. What happens? Satan begins to bring in corrupting doctrines. This is this is what the woman indicates by the yeast, by the putting the leaven in. And what happens ultimately? Here's what you got to see, guys, because I don't want to pass out right here. But here's what you must see. You must see this part. As the leaven false doctrine is injected into the church, into the leavened bread. What happens to that leavened bread, that unleavened bread? That unleavened bread represents the kingdom of heaven. Notice the kingdom of heaven is like, that is the church, is like leaven that the woman put into unleavened bread. What happens to the kingdom of heaven as the woman puts in this false doctrine, this leaven? The whole becomes leavened. You see it now? Jesus is saying, in the process of time in the church, what will happen? False doctrine will continually be injected into the church. False doctrine, one false doctrine after another until the church as a whole will be full of false doctrine. Notice again, look at, and here's, okay, I won't pass out, but look at the last thing that he says. When she finishes with the leaven, all of it was leaven. And this is why Paul said these words in Timothy. Listen to me, saints. Preach the word. Be instant. Preach it in season. Preach it out of season. Preach it when they want to hear. Preach it when they don't want to hear. Preach it when there's a time to preach it. Preach it even when it doesn't seem a time. Preach what? The word, the doctrine, the right doctrine of God. Notice what Paul continues to say. Why? Why did Paul say preach this word like you're losing your mind preaching? He said, why? For the time will come, not might come. It will come. When what? They. Who is the they? The people in the church. Because you ain't preaching to the world. You're preaching to the folk in the church. When what? The people in the church will not endure. They will not tolerate what? Sound doctrine. They will not tolerate the unleavened. What will the people in the church want? They want the leaven. They want the false doctrine and they will want the false doctrine so much. What does Jesus say here? Notice how he correlates exactly with what Paul is saying. They will not. He says, so why you got a chance? You got to preach the word because what's going to happen sooner or later as the church continues to grow, people will only want to hear False doctrine. They will find themselves people because they themselves got itching ears. Preach what I want to hear. Preach that false doctrine. 
the church will become universally full of false doctrine. So notice how Jesus relates. He correlates. The scripture is so perfect. Jesus correlates directly with the preaching of Paul. There will come a time when true doctrine in the church will be basically hard to find. And the church itself will be so full of false doctrine that notice what Jesus says at the end of the parable, the whole of the bread becomes leavened. Okay. Let me just simply say it this way. So you guys can understand it in our time. That is why the church looks the way that it does. The false doctrine, false teachings. And, and, and that's what, okay. Okay. That's why I have a hard problem with so many preachers today. Many of them, they don't know the way and they themselves are the messengers of Satan. Many of them. The church is full of corruption. The church is full of hypocrites. The church is full of people who do not know God at all. This is not the opinion of Eric Lee. This is the writing and the word of Jesus himself. The church is, can I break it all? See, I don't want to keep rehearsing the same thing. The church started small. Now it's a huge tree full of birds, messengers of Satan. The church started out with right doctrine, but what happened? The woman injects leaven. Now it's full of false doctrine. It's full of false preachers, false preaching. The church started out, as Jesus said, I sold wheat, but what happened? Now all of a sudden, where did all these tares come? The church is full of hypocrites. It is not my word that the church has fallen in such a state and now is full of false doctrine. The church is full of people who do not know the Lord. This is the word of the Lord himself. So what can we say today even now? Pulling back to the parables. This is why and, and even, okay, the Lord live forever. And Okay, let me, can I just say it like this, guys? This is the reason for this ministry. This is the reason that I bring to you this ministry. That the true teachings of the word of God can be known. Not because I'm somebody special. I'm, I ain't nobody. I'm just simply trying to give you the truth of the word of God. Why? Because, as Jesus is teaching here in the parables, the doctrine of the truth of the church is gone. What happened? Leaven, false doctrine, has been injected in the church. And what happened to that whole dough? It all becomes leaven. The church is full of false doctrine. It is so difficult to find a genuine church. You're not going to find a genuine church with everybody. It's just unlikely it's to find the word of God, to find the true teachings of God. It is so difficult now because why? The church has prophetically become exactly what Jesus said it would become, full of hypocrites and full of false doctrine. Okay, so let's go on. I think you guys are getting everything that I'm talking about. 
Verse number 34. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He did not speak to them without a parable. And this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. Okay, so now let me start preaching. Let me start teaching. So now, once again, it says, it just emphasized that everything, when Jesus continued his public speaking, and that's what I was telling you, that's what I was trying to say unto you, chapter 12 was so pivotal, pivotal in that from the point that they began to say that Jesus was demon possessed, it changed withdrawing of the kingdom from the Jews. No kingdom for you at this time, all of that, okay? And bringing in the new kingdom and talking about the new kingdom, Jesus began to deal with Israel in a new way. And that's why he said, from that moment on, he only spoke to them in what? Parables. When Jesus spoke publicly, he never taught them like Matthew five, six and seven, the sermon on the, he never taught them in a clear manner because Jesus's disposition to Israel was different at that time. I'm no longer presenting myself as king to the Jews in this sense. I am presenting myself as king to a new kingdom. That new kingdom will be the church, this new mystery kingdom. And thus far, as he's been talking about this new mystery kingdom, it starts out what? Good. It starts out with good people, with good doctrine. And notice what you see, the progression of the kingdom, this new mystery kingdom, the church being it. It ends a mess. It ends in corruption. It ends in hypocrisy. It ends with false doctrine. But okay, I'm preaching again. So all this simply says, so Jesus continues to teach the people of Israel in parables. Okay. He doesn't teach clearly with parable because things have now changed. I hope you understood that. And this is simply says once again in the Psalm, I think it's Psalm 78. He spoke to, he spoke in this manner to fulfill what was written in scripture. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. Again, the church, the church is, that is the coming of Jew and Gentile into the body of Jesus Christ um, without the law of Moses, the church. The church was not known and not seen by the prophets of the Old Testament. When Jew and Gentile come together as one, they did not see this. The prophets of the Old Testament did not see this new kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And this is why it says, I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. These things were never known by the prophets of old. Jesus is making them known right now. Okay. Let's move on a little bit further. Verse 36, and I think we'll, I'll be able to catch a breath on this one because he explains the tares. Then he left and went into the house and his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom and the tares are the sons of the evil one. 
and the enemy who sold them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Don't you like the way he gives everything for what it is? So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send forth his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their fathers. He who has ears to hear, he who has ears, let him hear. Okay, so now Jesus simply explains to the disciples the parable of the tares. He brings them into a, uh, into a private place. They go into a home and Jesus explains the tares. I've already done this and Jesus just simply sets forth what everything means. That the good seed, the wheat, are the saints of God. The tares, the darnel, the hypocrites, as we've explained, are the sons of the wicked one. These are, and all of these are sinners in the church. And notice this is all about the church. In the church. And remember the whole point is, let them all grow up together. And at the end of the age, Jesus will do the separating. So therefore the angels are the reapers. And at the end of the age, this is when Jesus returns. This is what we commonly call the second advent of Jesus Christ. This is not the rapture, not the rapture. The rapture is the coming in the air. The second advent is the coming back to the earth to set up Jesus's earthly kingdom on the earth. This is also called the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign of Jesus. Okay. So at the beginning of this time, that's when Jesus sends forth the angels and they remove all of these hypocrites from the church, send them into hell where they are punished and the righteous, those true Christians come into the kingdom. And this is the time when the Jews, as I told you earlier, will be given the kingdom. Now the kingdom has come, the kingdom that Jesus has offered the Jews. This is the time that the Jews will receive the kingdom of God, okay? And this is the time when the church comes into the kingdom and there will be a great celebration of the kingdom. And notice what he said, and God's people will shine forth like the brightness of the sun. This is that great festive time of the kingdom. So Jesus explains the tares just like I've already explained the tear. Not that I'm preceding our Lord, but I've already explained it ahead of time. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. So now let's continue on. And I hope, and I know you guys understood that part. The point, the church begin, begins to be saturated with the unsaved. They look like they're saved, but they're not saved. Jesus allowed them to continue on until the end of the age. And that's when he himself separates the saved from the unsaved because he knows who's saved and who is not. Okay. Now let's go on and deal with the next parable. 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. 
and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Okay. Now, again, now here is pointedly as Jesus talks about the church, the new kingdom. Remember when I used to say to you guys about the nature of that kingdom? What does it consist of? Or in other words, the nature of the church. Because remember, this is a mystery kingdom, something that was not known. So Jesus is giving us additive information. Tell us more about that new kingdom. So the no, that's why he keeps saying the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, what he means Here's the key thing. There are two, two key things. Treasure, treasure, and sells all that he has. Treasure and sells all that he has. Okay. So the new kingdom, so the church, because we know the kingdom of heaven is what again? The church. It is like a treasure. What is important to understand about the treasure is we know that in the law of Moses in the Old Testament, as we would say, Israel is commonly depicted as God's peculiar treasure or God's unique treasure. So therefore, what Jesus is saying here is the kingdom, that new mystery kingdom or the church, what the church will consist of. The church will consist of Jews. So treasure here is representative of the Jewish people. So what would be a part of the church? Treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. A man found this treasure. The man is Jesus himself. Jews would be a part of the church. Okay. And notice what the man does. He sells all that he has just to buy that field because the treasure is in the field. The man is Jesus. What does Jesus do? He finds this treasure. This is the Jewish people. What does the man do? He gives everything that he has. How does Jesus give everything that he has? He dies on the cross. So this is the parable of the great treasure. A part of the new kingdom or the church is the Jews themselves. The Jews are part of the church. That is the treasure. They are bought into this new kingdom. Notice not the kingdom that the Jews have already rejected. The Jews of Jesus's day have rejected that kingdom that Jesus once offered. Jesus is now bringing in a new kingdom a mystery kingdom, and it will consist of Jews. And guess what Jesus will do? Sell all that he has. You have been bought with a price. And that being bought with a price is the death of Jesus. Sold all that he has, that he might save this treasure, the Jews, bring in them into the new kingdom. So Jew, this is what is meant by this part, the Jew. Now he continues to talk about the second part. So watch it closely again. Verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. 
Okay, so now it, this one seems a little confusing, but allow me. It's simply the counterpart. Notice the king, once again, what? The kingdom of heaven. Again, the church, speaking concerning the church. Because notice, every time he's been talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. Notice, like the, like the great tree, the kingdom of heaven, like the man who planted the sea, it's the church. Again, now talking about the nature, the kingdom of heaven, like the church. What does the church consist of? Notice a treasure, Jews. Now, notice what? Pearl. What is unique about the pearl? We know the pearl is in this little orchard type thing, but the bottom line is the pearl will be considered by the Jew as that which is unclean. Because notice come from the orchard and the things of that nature. You could not eat the orchard. It is unclean thing. But even though the pearl, notice, come from the unclean animal, the pearl itself is of great value. So you got to catch that. The pearl is of great value and the merchant here is Jesus. And so guess what the merchant do when the merchant finds this pearl of a great value? What does he once again see the parallel with what Jesus just said concerning the treasure? What does he do? He sells all that he has. So what the pearl here represents the Gentiles. This is us. I'm a Gentile. I'm not a Jew. This is the Gentile part of the church. This is so what does the church consist of? Treasure, Jews, pearls, Gentiles. And what is notice the man who finds the treasure, Jesus, what does he do? He gives all that he has. He dies on the cross. What is it? The Jesus in the second case, the pearl, the Gentiles. What does the merchant do? gives all that he has. The merchant is Jesus. All that he has, he dies on the cross. So what does it say? For both Jew and Gentile, treasure and pearl. Jesus buys them. What does he do? Sells all that he has. He dies on the cross for both Jew and Gentile. The church consists of Jew and Gentile by one man. Jesus, whether he is the man who owns the field or the merchant, one man who does what dies on the cross so that he might gain it for himself. That's the idea. So the church consists of Jew and Gentile. That's what it means by both the treasure and now by the pearl. Verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a drag net cast into the sea gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it upon the beach and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, let me stop there. So now Jesus gives another parable of a dragnet. Again, the kingdom of heaven. So you can't miss it. Kingdom of heaven is what? It's like the church. And now it all just simply makes more sense. With all the explanations given, it just makes more sense. Now, like a big old dragnet put into the ocean, 
ocean of men, all right? And it pulls it up. So, and notice, dragnet doesn't pull up everything. It just pulls up a lot of different things, but it's in the dragnet. The kingdom of heaven, the church, is just like that dragnet. Inside the church is what? Inside the dragnet, good fish. Inside the church, good fish. I'm sorry, good people, true saints. Inside the dragnet, bad fish. Inside the church, what? Hypocrites, bad people, bad preachers, bad people sitting in the pews. What happens as the net is drawn into the land, you get the good fish and you put them in the containers to keep them. The bad fish, you throw them out. Jesus says what? The good fish will be brought, that's the good saints, into the kingdom, the hypocrites, the fake preachers, the fake people, the hypocrites in the church. What happens to them? To hell they will go. And notice, he keeps saying the same thing over and over, just like go back to the previous parable, parable of the tares. Let them grow up together. At the end of the age, I'll send the angels and they'll separate them. And the bad, the hypocrites in the church will go to hell. But let me just simply finish it. So it will be, verse number 49, it's the same thing again and again. Angels will come forth. Take out the wicked from amongst the righteous. It's the same thing. Take out the tares from among the wheat, as you said earlier. Do what? Throw them in the furnace of fire, just like he said what happened with the tares. What? Bind the tares and throw them in the furnace of fire. This is nothing more than hell itself. And that, and why? How do you know it's hell? It'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place. So notice in all of these parables that he's been talking about, He's been talking about prophetically what the church will be like, how the church will begin by the word of God, the preaching of Jesus. That's how the, that's how the church begins. Small. It begins small. It becomes huge. Even as it is today, you hear about Christians all over the world. It is now that great tree. But it started out small. It started out right unleavened. But what happened? The woman came and put in leaven until it all became leaven. It started out with right doctrine, the right doctrine taught by Jesus, the right doctrine taught by the apostles. But what happened? The word that was spoken by Paul for the time will come. They will not endure sound doctrine, but they found people preaching all kinds of false doctrine. And this permeated. This caused all of the church to be living. The church is now full of false doctrine. How did the church begin? With the righteous people. What happened? Satan began to plant people into the church and it began to be full of tares, even as it is to this day. How did it start out? The church was like a, a giant dragnet and it pulled in all kinds of people, good fish, bad fish. What did the same, what happened at the end of the age? The Lord took out all of the bad fish, the hypocrites from the church. How did the church start out as Jew and this church started out at, also as Gentile, the treasure and the pearl, all of these things. The kingdom of heaven is like this is what the church will be like. You got it. 
Now, aren't the parables easy to understand once you understand it in the context that Jesus was giving? And at the same time, doesn't it give your heart a sense of relaxation when you see Jesus is letting you know, I'm telling you now, even though the church will start out right, it will end so wrong. But don't get upset at the end of the age. Guess what? I will separate the right from the wrong. The Lord knows the true Christians and he knows those who are not. It's not for us to separate them. Just keep doing our job. And at the end of the age, don't you worry about it. The Lord will separate the right from the wrong. The parables of the kingdom. Beautiful. Let's finish it. Verse 51. And so he asked them a question. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Now, that's a hard one. But let me explain it. So now, as Jesus, remember, he's talking to his disciple. He said, okay, guys, his disciples now, do you understand these parables? Have you understand them? They said, yes. The truth of the matter is they did, even though they said yes, they didn't understand it. Let me just simply give you an, understand, uh, an example of how. Notice Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, right? Treasure, Jews. Jesus sold all that he had. He died on the cross. The kingdom of heaven is like pearl, Gentile. Merchant took it. Bought it, sold all the head. He died on the cross for the Gentile. He brought both treasure and pearl into one body, Jew and Gentile. This is this new kingdom, right? The church. Do you understand it? They said yes. They didn't understand it. Acts, remember when Peter went to the household of Cornelius? He resisted the vision that God gave him. Rise, Peter, slay and eat. He resisted that vision. The whole point, he said to Cornelius, I'm not even supposed to be here. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon these Gentiles. And Peter said, Peter was surprised. He said, oh my God, I cannot believe it. Indeed, God is no respect of persons. What? As he has given the Holy Spirit to these Gentiles, he did it the same way he did it for us. Isn't it what Jesus said concerning the parable? In the kingdom of heaven is like the man who has the treasure, the man who has the pearl. But nevertheless, Peter resisted this. Peter was surprised at this. When Peter came back, what happened? Those Jewish people wanted Peter to tell him, tell us what you were doing at the Gentiles house. They still didn't get it. My whole point is, Jesus said, have you understood it? They said, yes. The reality is they really didn't understand it. But in the process of time, God will give them understanding of the parables in the process of time. God will give them the understanding of the church, what the church is like Jew, Gentile and other things, which leads us to the final parable of Jesus concerning the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's the difficult one. But watch what he says. Fifty two. Therefore, every scribe, no, we're still here. We haven't left this part. Every scribe, notice every scribe, a scribe is an expert in the law, okay? Has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven. A scribe, one of the laws to what? The kingdom of heaven. A, a, an expert, a, a lawyer, an expert to the laws, 
to this new mystery kingdom, right? Expert to the laws of a new mystery kingdom is like the head of a household. So he's talking to them, his apostles, disciples, head of a household. What does he bring out of his treasure? Things new and old. So let me just explain it. You got a new, now you have a new kingdom, this new mystery kingdom, the church. And then he says, imagine, set yourself forth as a scribe. So you're like the head of the scribe of household. Okay, fine. He says, and out of your treasure, you bring new and old. What Jesus is talking about is this. In the new kingdom or this new mystery kingdom, the old order has passed away. The old order of things is the law of Moses. You got it. So therefore in the new kingdom, new mystery kingdom, that is the church, the scribes, Jesus, the apostles, the new teachings of the new Testament, they bring out old things that is in the church, in the church kingdom for us, the laws and the rules of the church, you bring out some things old. There will be certain similarities with the old Testament and you bring out some things new. There will be some things that will be not similar to the old Testament whatsoever. So let me explain it this way, just in case. So the parable that Jesus is talking about here is simply this. In this new kingdom, remember for every kingdom will have kingdom laws, laws that regulate the lives of the people. That's the whole point. New laws. Jesus, the whole point has been talking about this new kingdom. He's been talking about how the kingdom will look good and the bad, what the kingdom will consist of Jew and Gentile. Now he deals with the laws of that kingdom. What will the laws of that kingdom be? The laws of that kingdom will be some things old. Let me give you an example. Just like in the old law of Moses, lying is forbidden. Lying is also forbidden in the New Testament. Just like in the old, sexual immorality was forbidden. Sexual immorality, fornication, adultery is also forbidden in the New Testament. You got it? Certain things old and new. Certain things of the Old Testament will be similar, certain old and new. So that's the old things. There are similarities that we have in the New Testament that we live by in the New Testament that are similar with the old. Idolatry is forbidden in the old. Idolatry is forbidden in the new. So that's the thing that I brought from the old. Now notice this. He says also there are new things. What are the new things that Jesus is talking about? Watch this. In the law of Moses, there is the observance of the Sabbath day. In the New Testament, we do not observe the Sabbath day. In the law of Moses, there is the observance of the feast. In the New Testament, there are not observances of the feast. In the law of Moses, you have to go up to Jerusalem and all of these other things. In the law of Moses, there are dietary laws. In the law of Moses, you can wear your clothing a certain way. But in the New Testament, none of these things are found. So now we see what Jesus is saying. 
the kingdom of heaven is like a scribe who goes into his treasure. And guess what he brings out? Some things old, some things new. So therefore in the church, even in the doctrine of the church, the laws that govern the church, this new mystery kingdom, us, though we have some things that are similar to the Old Testament, and then we have some things that are altogether new and different from the Old Testament. He brings out things both new and old, and that is the parable of the kingdom. Okay. That brings to a close. So isn't that a beautiful thing? How Jesus speaks of the church, who it will consist of Jew and Gentile, how it starts off small and good and without corruption, unleavened, small, right doctrine and how as it grows becomes great. And that's what we see today. It becomes full of corruption. It becomes full of false doctrine and how that at the end of the age, Jesus deals with the church by separating the right from the wrong, the wheat from the tares, the good fish from the bad fish. It's a beautiful thing all about the church. So what you need to understand and take from that is the new kingdom of heaven is all about the church. As Jesus talks about who is in the church, the nature of the church, what will the church be like? Now let's close chapter 13. 53, when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. He came to his, to his hometown. He began teaching them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is, the, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters? Are, not, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Okay, so now we finish it, but the parables are now finished. In 13, it simply tells us, Jesus now, after instructing people about the parables and his disciples, he goes to his own hometown, and while he's at his hometown, he does what he normally would do. At the, on the uh, Sabbath, he would go into the synagogue and he began to teach. And here's his, his hometown is Nazareth. The whole point of it is, he is around people who knew him as a child when he was growing up. And that's the whole reason. Have you ever heard of a, a, a familiarity uh, breeds contempt? Familiarity. In other words, let me say it this way. When people think they know you and all of a sudden you begin to be famous and stuff like that, they don't see you like the rest of the world see you. They see you as the boy that they grew up with. That's the idea that they're having concerning Jesus. When Jesus came and he began to teach and they heard the wisdom that he teach, they took offense at Jesus saying, oh, who in the world he think he is? We know him and he came up with us. Where in the world he get all this supernatural wisdom and these powers? Where in the world? Did we know him. We know him. We know his mama. We know his brothers and his sisters. So 
And this is what it means. They took offense. They just couldn't get over the fact that they knew Jesus because they were raised with Jesus. They saw Jesus as a boy being raised up in Nazareth. And so they just couldn't deal with Jesus being this great messianic type figure. And because their unbelief was so strong, Jesus was unable to do many miraculous works. Now, he didn't do messianic works. We talked about that earlier. Works proving that he was the Messiah because he had already said that's over. No messianic sign will be given to this generation. So that's not what he's doing. Simply other miraculous works of healings amongst the common people. He couldn't do that. Jesus was restrained from doing that because of their unbelief. And this is why we also see, as I've told you guys earlier, how that at first Jesus would do things without people's faith. He would do things simply as the Messiah. He, you didn't have to have the faith. He did them. But now Matthew 12 pivot. Faith is required. What did I just say? Faith from this point forward of Matthew 12 is now required. And what do you see the people of Jesus hometown not having no faith in him at all? They're taking offense in him. And because of their faithlessness, Jesus is restricted from doing marvelous works because from this point forward of Matthew 12, faith is now required. So therefore what Jesus cannot do any wonderful things among them because they have no faith. Okay. All right, guys, thanks for joining me in that extensive teaching. Actually in the section of both chapters 12 and 13, but especially in chapter 13 about the parables of the kingdom. I hope you have understood what Jesus meant when he talked about the new kingdom, that is the mystery kingdom, the church that was not spoken of by the prophets in the Old Testament, that Jesus is now revealing that is happening. This kingdom, Jesus being rejected as the Messiah of the Jews of his generation, and therefore they will not receive that Jewish kingdom. And Jesus speaking of a new kingdom, that is the church, those who will receive Jesus, made of both what? Treasure, pearl, Jew, Gentile, starting out what? good and small mustard seed, unleavened with right doctrine, but yet what? In the process of time becoming great, a great tree in the process of time becoming what? Leavened, full of leaven, full of false doctrine in the pro starting out what? Good people sowing good seed in the process of time, having tares starting out as good fish in the process of time, having all kinds of fish. I hope you guys understood the parable of the kingdom as Jesus prophesied about the church in its beginnings as good and the church as it is this day. The church as it is this day, now full of corruption, now full of false doctrine, and now the church full of unbelievers. But anyway, finally closing, thanks for joining me with that. And once again, guys, if these teachings have been a blessing to you, 
if, if God has touched your heart, if you can say, I have truly learned a lot, help me to continue this ministry. That's what I'm asking. Send a donation or become a monthly partner. So let me say once, uh, for the most part, first part, thanks. A number of you guys have already supported the ministry. And I want to say to you, thank you for what you have done and God bless you. And I want to say to others, because there are a number of others who I honestly believe have truly been touched and blessed through the teachings of these things, but not have partnered or sent a donation. I want, allow me to continue to make these videos for you. You guys know, I don't have to tell you, this is just real world. These things take time, they take money and resources and things of that nature. And also to notice guys, you don't have the advertisement. I cut all of that crap out because I want you to hear these teachings without interruption. Let me bring you these teachings. Support this ministry if it is a blessing to you. Okay, and I'll stop right there because I don't want to seem like some sort of a beggar, but that's just simply the way things work in the world. Thanks again, guys, for all your support. Thanks again, and I look forward for you joining me in the continuation of the teaching in the book of Matthew. God bless you, and see you then.